When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. 20 seconds to go. Wrist shot, save Talbot. Rebound, top of the blue paint. Wrist shot, Martinez, save Talbot. Kopitar bangs it off the back of the head. 12 seconds, wrist shot, Martinez. Save made by Cam Talbot. And here come the Oilers, 2-1-1 to win it. McDavid in for the left-hand side. Drysaddle waits. There's the center pass. What timer Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. Hey, welcome to the weekend. Thanks for starting it right here. It is 606 Inside Sports on 630 Chad, the play-by-play voice of your Edmonton Oilers and your Edmonton Eskimos and... The remainder of the NHL playoffs. We're going to have all the conference and Stanley Cup final games for you here on 6.30 Chet starting in one hour. Game one between the Nashville Predators and their opponent. Tomorrow we'll have game one between the Penguins and the Senators. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in. The Edmonton Oilers packing it up today. The players uh, doing the uh, locker cleanout final, uh, the exit meetings and all that kind of stuff. Todd McClellan spoke. We'll get to some of the highlights as we move along over the course of the next hour. General Manager Peter Shirelli did not give here his year-ender today. That is expected to happen on Monday, so uh, we'll have that for you on 6.30, Chet, on Monday. If you're inclined to speak to me today, I encourage you to do so if you have the urge by either texting 630-630 or by giving me a phone call 780-496-0063. I mentioned the hockey game coming up later. The Toronto Blue Jays are in action tonight. And you know what? The Blue Jays have turned it around a bit after that horrific start. They're actually 8-4 and four in their last 12 games. They're leading the Mariners 3-0 in the middle of the fourth tonight. The scoreboard for Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, visit crystalglass.ca. The WHL final continues tonight in Seattle. The Thunderbirds home to Regina. The series is tied at 2. They're going back to Regina for games 6 and 7 if necessary, Sunday and Monday. That's been a good series. So uh, obviously we'll be done by the time that game starts tonight. But of course, uh, you can follow it along online if you're interested. Okay, so I got to say this. It was a different vibe today at the uh, Oilers locker cleanout. This this is my fourth season having done this exact job. So doing the uh, pregame and postgame shows here on 630 Ched. And the previous three years I did, the Oilers finished 28th, 28th, and 29th. And there was a lot of talk about uh, what went wrong. When's it going to turn around? What are you going to do in the summer? Are you going to go to the World Hockey Championship? What's it going to take for this team to get better? They jumped all the way up to eighth in the standings this season. And Todd McClellan hopes that uh, that's a position or higher that they will now finish in for a long time. We've turned the page. Just like in the playoffs, we talked about parking games. We've got to park this year now. And we're already beginning to prepare for next year, in my opinion. 
you recover physically, mentally, you get some rest, you enjoy your family time, and then you begin to uh, physically prepare, but you also mentally have to prepare for next year. And um, we had a good run this year, but this should become what the standard is, not an exceptional year. And that's our goal is to make... Um, this type of year, the standard, and then push it from there. Um, in Washington, in St. Louis, um, in New York, there's probably a little bit more pain in those communities after losing in the second round than there is here, um, simply because we hadn't experienced it for so long. Uh, but our group was told if we're lucky enough to get back to that situation and, and we don't have success, that should be pay very painful. Um, and I mean that in a different way. It was painful because we didn't win and the guys wanted to. But, um, you know, there's a lot to, to build on. But eventually this has to become the norm with this organization. And I think that's a, that's a huge task that we have at the beginning of next year. And uh, we better be ready for it. Well, it's a it's a challenge. I mean, there's always a challenge, right? I mean, the Oilers' challenge for the last several seasons has been to dig themselves out of the basement, or I guess climb out of the basement. You've already dug the hole to get into the basement. you got to climb out. And now the challenge is, and a few players talked about this today, is now you're the targeted team. you got the leading scorer. you got the guy who's likely going to win the MVP. you got another big center who's young and a top scorer in the league. you got a goaltender who's emerged. you got a couple Swedish defensemen who played well together. So now everybody's going to want to say, hey, we want to knock you guys off. You know, we don't want to get pushed around and lose to the Edmonton Oilers. We want to prove that we can beat you. It's a, I mean, Alan, I know you're on hold. I'm going to get to you right away. It's a pretty dramatic change, and I just went back. Here's where the Oilers have finished overall in the 12 years since the lockout wiped out the entire 04-05 season. They finished 14th overall. That was the year they went to the Cup Final. Then the Decade of Darkness, 25th, 19th, 21st, 30th, 30th, 29th, 24th, 28th, 28th, 29th, and now 8th. There wasn't much middle ground in there, was there? <laughs> I mean, 19th and 21st, okay, they had a couple of teams that were, you know, just barely out of the playoffs. I think it was three points and six points they missed by. They actually did win 41 games one of the years they missed the playoffs. Um, but it's kind of been like, when are they going to go? I mean, you, you would think the progression might have been, you know, 30th, uh, 24th, 20th, 18th, 14th. 10th, 8th, you know, so, but the Oilers basically went like horrible, 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 and then and then pretty good. And with that sudden change comes the target on your chest as you go into the new season. Alan at 780-496-0063. Hi, Alan. Hi, how you doing? Good. Good, thanks for having me on your show here. No problem. Uh, I just, yeah, I just wanted to say, I, I actually had the opportunity to go to the Game 7 in Anaheim. It was, uh, it was an unbelievable experience. I felt like I was going to the Edmonton Rogers Arena, to be honest with you. With all the uh, all the Oilers jerseys out there, but uh, you know, watching that game and, and watching the previous game, it was such a, a totally different team. Like I, I felt like I didn't see the same team when we beat them seven one uh, game six. So I just trying to figure out where was that drive and that momentum. It didn't seem like they they have that drive or passion, or or maybe it was the lack of a uh, experience you think or or is it just something they were just nervous I, I don't know I just want to get your thoughts on that well I think the biggest thing and, and Todd mentioned this after the game on Wednesday was that Anaheim played better I mean when there's a 7-1 game in the playoffs one team plays great and the other team plays poorly and Anaheim didn't have a good game and there's there's not game 
there's not game-to-game momentum, but there is in-game momentum. And Anaheim came out and controlled the second period, and the Oilers were just taking most of the effort on their shifts just to get the puck out and, and get a line change. And they never really regrouped from that. I mean, I think they were trying just as hard. I, I think they obviously wanted to do the things they could do in Game 6. I yeah. think Anaheim Anaheim played better, and, and the Oilers maybe weren't as sharp as they were in Game 6, and, and you lose 2-1. Yeah, I know for sure. Do you think they make that that your expectation of where they where they met? Uh, you think it was over above what you think they how far they made it? Well, me personally, yes. If I go back to the start of the season, for sure. Going yeah. into the playoffs, I really thought they had a chance to make the West final, and they were a win away. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Alan. Appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Zach Cassian commenting on the new Oilers, if you want to call them that. We know that next year we're going to have targets. We're, we're no longer the Edmonton Oilers that get pushed around. We're no longer the Edmonton Oilers that are going to um, roll over and die. Um, everyone knows we're a good team, which we need to be ready for right out of the gates. Um, every game's important, especially the start. Everyone knows how big the start is. So um, Everyone knows going into the summer that um, if you're not winning the Cup, there's room for improvement. And uh, that's where we stand. We got a little taste of it this year, and everyone's going to come back even more hungry next year. Well, and and, and that's I'm glad he says that they're going to be more hungry next year. And and I'm I'm getting way ahead of myself here, but since players are talking about it, and you know every every player who's been over half the team spoke today, talked about the disappointment, talked about how close they were, talked about enjoying being uh, on this team, and. The challenge now completely shifts. The dialogue around the team completely shifts from when are these young guys going to perform? Who are we going to draft? You know, are we going to be able to be in it to Christmas? I, I think I, I would think every single one of you listening, when camp opens September fifteenth or whatever the exact turn, day turns out to be, I would think your expectations will be that the Oilers are going to be in the playoffs. And where will they be seated and how good will they be? And that's still a challenge. I mean, that doesn't make it any easier on the team, perhaps becoming a bit of a favorite going in, right? I mean, now, as I've mentioned, the, the target is on you. The Oilers are becoming a team that other teams will want to prove themselves against. They're not going to be seen as a free space on the bingo card. And, and Todd McClellan made the comment earlier in the season where sometimes the Oilers would win a couple of games or have a blowout and then maybe have an off night. And he said, we have to learn to deal with success. And now it's finding that edge to get over that hump. And look at the Washington Capitals. They've never been able to find it in the playoffs, have they? Almost always losing in the second round, sometimes even in the first round. Finishing first overall in the league or, or high over or high up in the standings. Now that's the Oilers' challenge. you got to find that hunger to go toe-to-toe with the other contenders and be on the right side of the line. And they went toe-to-toe with Anaheim, but they didn't wind up quite on the right side of the line. But you hope that it's motivation and you hope that it's a learning, that you hope that it's a lesson. And it's interesting, Patrick Maroon today was asked about a pivotal moment in the season. And he went right back to game number three of the regular season. The one game that always sticks out to me is the Buffalo game. We came into practice the next day. We had a meeting. And Todd sat down with us. And he just talked to us. 
in a way where he believed in us. And you can see around the room where, where okay, we do have a really good team in here. And after that, our team just took off. And for me, that's the most one that stands out. I know it's the first, I think it was like, what, the first six games we played. But you can just see the sense in the room how good of a hockey team we really were. And not only even on the ice, but the characters in the room. And by saying that, I mean how close we were in the room. And that translates onto being on the ice. And if you're close in the room, you're close on the ice. And the chemistry just works. And then the chemistry was just tremendous this year. So there you go. They started the season sweeping Calgary. They get bombed by Buffalo. Which way is it going to go? Todd got them together, didn't scream and yell, reminded them they're a good hockey team, reminded them to put the work in, and that set the tone for the whole season and maybe seasons to come. 618, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. I'll get to some of the texts at 630-630. More from McClellan. You'll hear from McDavid and Latestu. Phone lines are open, 780-496-0063. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. So yeah, we have the play-by-play tonight. Nashville at Anaheim, Game 1 of the Western Conference Final. That'll start after the 7 o'clock news as we will continue to bring you play-by-play of games. Unfortunately, no uh, Oilers games until the fall, but we will have all the West and East Finals and the Stanley Cup Final games here on 630 Chet. And don't forget, we are less than one month away from an Eskimos game. June 11th is the first preseason game when they play Calgary, Morley, and Dave already getting ready for that. Thanks for tuning in tonight. It's 622 Inside Sports on 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. Got a text here from RH who says, I want Anaheim in the first round next year. I don't believe for one second they are a better team than the Oilers next year. We will be the Western Conference champs. Book it. That is from RH. RH, I appreciate the text. Love the positivity. I'm going to have to ask you a favor, though. There's no way I will remember next spring that you sent that on May 12th, so you're going to have to send it again. I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> Kellen, how often do I remember texts? Like, Not very for often. For about three seconds? Yeah. I feel bad. You have Because gold... a lot of times people text back, and they're like, hey, Reed, remember when last week I said that that's, was, well, that's what was going to happen in the game? Yeah. And I'm you, like, I'm sorry, I forgot. You have goldfish text syndrome. You have, like, the seven-second goldfish memory, right? Yeah. So. Well, I'm about I as athletic as a goldfish, so I guess it all fits together. We got Jim on the line. Hello, Jim. Go ahead. Yeah, I just want to give some kudos to Talbot. I think he was the MVP of the year and the playoffs. I don't think they would have went to the second round without his good play. I thought Talbot had an excellent season. I, I, I thought he, he might have been able to sneak in there for a Vesna Trophy nomination. Uh, he was probably one of the best five or six goalies in the league this season. Absolutely. And, uh, if, uh, you know, he, if he slips a bit next year, it, it may not be so good. That's you know, true. I mean, he was, he was terrific. Yeah, All that's. Year. I mean, how many games did he play in the uh, in the regular season? Sixty some. Uh, I believe seventy three was the final total. Yeah. See, uh, man, I thought he might be tired in the playoffs, but um, uh, without him, I don't think they would have made the second round. Well, no. I mean, he had an excellent year. 
Uh, he show obviously didn't fatigue. He was joking about that today that he wasn't tired. He could have played 14 more playoff games if they needed him. I, I would. We'll see what they do with the backup. I don't know if it's going to be Brassois or if they'll try to somebody find uh, find somebody a little bit more experienced. But no, he absolutely he was outstanding. I mean, I I I would still say McDavid was the team MVP, but it's by an eyelash over Talbot. Thanks, Jim. Yeah. All right, that's Jim at 780-496-0063. Todd McClellan was asked about the roster next season, though obviously there's uh, not a bunch he can say about that, but here was his comment. We need a little decompression time and, and um, you know, an opportunity to sit back and look at our group and, and what our strengths and weaknesses were. We have a general feel, but... Um, there's a number of different factors that come into, and this year there's an extra one that come into moving forward. And the, the extra one is expansion. Uh, there's the the business part of the cap contracts. Um, you know, different scenarios, free agency, restricted free agency. All of those things have to be taken into consideration. Um, basically, we're on the counter with a whole bunch of ingredients now. Do we need to buy a little more flour, a little more sugar, uh, you know, that type of stuff? And we've got to figure that out over the next little bit. So um, at this point, I'm not, and I'm sure Peter won't be prepared to, uh, to really analyze that uh, with you. Well, and again, Peter Shirelli will talk on Monday, McClellan referencing the expansion draft. I know a few people are texting today, are we going to get this guy, where's this guy going to go? I'm not going to get too much into potential offseason moves today because I want to get through some of the players' final thoughts and some of the tape. And obviously it's a, a shorter show today with the game coming up at, uh, at 7. And we'll have plenty of time to address. I might read a few of those texts, but, uh, but mostly I just want to get through some of the players' comments today. This texture says, uh, Jeremy from Glendon. Oh, good to hear from Jeremy. Hey, Reed, the Oilers were playing hockey, and we were harvesting wheat in October. Now the Oilers were playing in May, and we're still harvesting wheat in May. Hopefully only one of those things happens next spring. I'm also excited for football season. That's from Jeremy and Glendon. Thank you, Jeremy. A little bit from McDavid, Latestu, Everly. When we get back, Inside Sports on 630 Cut. Darius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos. And you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. You ask me to be your All right, Blue Jays still up 3-0 on Seattle. Top of the six. Jays have won eight of their last 12. Doing a lot better lately. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you very much for tuning in. Oh, just got a long text there. I'll try to get to that one in a second here. Uh, a few more Oilers comments as they cleaned out their lockers today at Rogers Place. Moving on to the offseason, we did not hear from Peter Shirelli. We expect that to happen Monday. So remember, Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 every weekday. Mark Letestu, always well-spoken. I asked him about why the, the mix between the young players and the veterans seemed to work so well this year. It's a tight-knit group in there. Uh, you know, everything, you know, when Connor talks about it, everybody has a voice, he's... You know, he's, he's not just you know, blowing smoke. It's it's true in there. Everybody's got a voice. There's not a divide in the room. It's not clicky or anything like that. We, we've got a really good group. It's special in there. I think that's why it's so disappointing that we're going home right now. Uh, we're, we're not done being around each other. We really enjoy each other's company that much. Uh, and the 
the experiences that we've been able to share with each other. I think it's, you've seen that in what's gone forward with the teams. A little bit from Mark Latestu. Always good to hear from him. He had a, quite a season for the Edmonton Oilers. All right, I just got a text here, and uh, it's from someone, uh, Grace, who calls herself Grace the Girl Listener. And she took time to write a longer one, so I'm going to read it. Grace says, hey, Reed, a couple of things from a female listener. Number one, I'm a diehard, lifelong fan. I was very patient with the bandwagon people during these playoffs because I felt that the excitement, because I hope that the excitement they felt will translate into new fans that watch a bit of the regular season. Number two from Grace, at first when the orange jerseys were introduced, I didn't like them very much. However, as we orange crushed it through the playoffs, I became a convert, and they looked amazing on television. Well, those are the new jerseys, so I'm glad you like them, Grace. She goes on to say, number three, my favorite moment of the playoffs. There were a lot of great ones, but was when Cassian and Brad the fan, after Cassian scored in game six, it was so pure and reminded me of the excitement of a kid scoring in a minor hockey game. And number four from Grace, I'm already in Euler withdrawal, looking forward to the Eskimo season starting and getting back to the sunny evenings at Commonwealth Stadium. Well, hopefully we do have good weather for Eskimos games this season. And I do think they're going to be a good team. I do think they're going to be a good team. But more on them as uh, we move along here through the spring and the summer. I wanted to get this clip in from today. Connor McDavid, who had, what, 30 goals and 100 points, led the NHL in scoring. What, nobody else had over 90 he was asked about uh, shooting more. I know a lot of people have asked Rob and me about that. I think I know what I'm doing out there. I, I, I have a pretty good idea, at least. Uh, you know, I, I do understand that you know, people have that, that image of me, and, and I should shoot more, I think. Uh, I pass up a lot of opportunities to shoot, but at the same time, I'm always trying to make the right play. Everyone is out there. Um, I want to do what's, what's best, and if I see someone's open, I'm going to give them the puck. You know, I, I think he could have just shortened his answer. I think I know what I'm doing out there. I... <laughs> really probably was all, all he needed to say. I do think Connor McDavid knows what he's doing out there. And here's the encouraging thing. We'll learn even more about what he's doing out there. And I, you know what, guys? I, I think that's why a lot of people still say Sidney Crosby is the best player in the game. Because he's older He's done more, he's seen more, he's a little more polished, and he's a little more all-round. Not that there are major deficiencies in McDavid's game. I guess you could pick face-offs if you had to pick one. But just as you, you play more, you're exposed to more of those battles, more of what guys are trying to do to counteract you, little things you can do to get to the puck or get the puck to somebody else. That's the thing. I mean, McDavid turned 20 during the season. So... He is. He should get better, and that, that doesn't necessarily mean he improves by 10 points a season, and when he's 30, he gets 200 points. No, it means the all-round polish on the ice and all the little details of the game. He'll still get better, so that's the most encouraging thing. Uh, Grace brought up Cassian becoming a fan favorite. He was uh, asked about that today, asked about fans growing the mutton chops in his honor, all that kind of stuff. I enjoy it. I think that goes with my personality. I like to have fun. Um like to come to the rink and, and enjoy myself. I think uh, it's one of those things where um, I knew I wasn't going to be well liked coming into the room, but I knew if I just um, did what I did on the ice and, and I was the person I could be, uh, I'd be fine. I think 
As far as the mutton chops go, the support throughout the playoffs, uh, truly amazing. I, I can't really comment during the playoffs. You're kind of in the zone. But when you sit back and look at it, um, it was truly awesome. I think it just shows how passionate the Edmonton Oilers fans are. And, um, it was great. It was a lot of fun. Everyone had a lot of fun. Um, but seeing those chops, it was, uh, I, uh, it was pretty funny. Quite a transformation for Zach Cassian, who was despised by Oilers fans, and probably a lot of fans, but especially Oilers fans after he broke Sam, Ye- Sam Gagne's jaw a few years ago, and then later on that season mocked Gagne for wearing uh, the jaw protection. Cassian obviously went through some difficulty in his life. He's, he hasn't shied away from talking about that, nor taking responsibility for it. And pretty effective player for the Oilers this season who could have had even better stats if about every second goal that he scored wasn't disallowed. But perhaps that's a debate for another day. Uh, Somebody says, is Tyler Pitlick a third liner on the Oilers next year? Not sure about that, though he did play well. But I I think they got a little bit more depth that he's still going to have to fight for a spot. All right, let's uh, let's get to it. Uh, you know, I, I was mentioning earlier in the show how the the tone of the the interviews and the comments today so much different in than in recent years, where it was all like, "Well, what went wrong? You know, uh, you're still in the bottom. How frustrating is that? What's going to happen in the summer? Do you think you're going to be back?" The only player that kind of had that answering those kinds of questions today. Uh, was Jordan Everly. But before I get to some of his comments, pay close attention here to what Todd McClellan had to say about number 14. He's a tremendous player. He, he scores 20 to 25 goals every season. You can count on it from him. And that's not going away. Uh, when you get into a playoff scenario and it doesn't start well for you, it can snowball quickly. That's one of the experiences that we've learned. Um... The players that are having great playoffs, you guys will talk about, write, and tell stories. The ones that are struggling maybe to to provide what they normally do becomes a story, and the ones in between nobody talks about. So you want to be in one of the two middle groups. You sure don't want to be in the bottom group, and unfortunately, Eb slid into that bottom group. But um, we didn't get to the playoffs without him. He had an impact on our team, um, especially down the stretch when we won, I don't know, 15 of 18 games. Uh, He was a key, key piece. Um, You can't completely evaluate him and... uh, and pin his whole season on the playoffs. Of course, that's a time where you want guys to rise to the occasion. Um, he didn't quite uh, get it done, but he's a he's a very important asset for our team. And confidence is 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 huge moving forward. He'll get it back, and he'll be just fine. I think that's probably the smartest thing Todd McClellan could have done. You know, at times this season, he was critical of Everly's play or he just declined to comment on it, which was a criticism in itself, I think. Clearly, Everly's ice time was reduced throughout the postseason. I mean, in Game 6 and 7 combined, uh, or sorry, in each of Game 6 and 7, he played under 13 minutes. He played between 12 and 13. So he was pretty much a third-line player over the last couple of games. It's been talked about a lot. He did not score in 13 playoff games after waiting 507 regular season games to finally play in the postseason. But I think if if they are going to try to move Eberle, I think the worst thing the head coach of the team could have done is come out and say what a disappointment he was and how he 
dropped the ball and how he refused to do this. He focused on the positives. He mentioned confidence, which we've talked about with Everly. But I, I think it was smarter McClellan to do it that way. And, 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 and again, as I talked about yesterday, I, I, I certainly, and I've, I've been critical of Everly, I think we can certainly recognize areas of his game where you'd like to see a little more improvement, but he was still the third leading scorer on the team. And he still had 20 goals. And it's still a league where you got to outscore the other team. So, I, I mean, I know some people were frustrated after somebody called Rob and I after the game and said Everly doesn't belong in the NHL. I mean, clearly he's an NHLer. Will he fit in in what the Oilers want in the tone of team that Shirelli wants? Did did he consistently execute some of the details that his head coach wanted? Probably not. So to me, this is probably storyline number one as we go into the off season. Everly today did comment on the confidence. I mean, that's a confidence thing, really. Uh, obviously, uh, especially the postseason didn't go the way I wanted it to go. Um, you know, I think our teammates strides towards playing better hockey. I think uh, I think you look at. Uh, the way that we've designed our game to, to be able to play a better team game and, and win hockey games, I think that's the most important thing. So, um, obviously, I think I got a better all-around defensively, but obviously, especially early in the year, I wanted to put the puck in the, in the net a little bit more. And certainly in the playoffs. Absolutely, yeah. So that's the biggest thing. That's the one that really really stings. You, you take this long to get to the playoffs, and... Uh, and you don't perform and, and uh, play to your standards, uh, you know, that's what hurts. But I think the biggest thing is got there and got experience and, and uh, we'll be back and better. So, I, I mean, and look, there's no doubt about it. Confidence, what's happening mentally is an issue in players. I mean, every, and you hear me ask a lot of interview subjects that, about how they dealt with adversity, how they learned to get through tough times at an important time, um, you know, at a critical time when they faced adversity, how did how did they deal with it? Who did they learn that from? So there's, we we can't write that off. I mean, it doesn't always come down to physical ability, uh, and I and I do think players care, but you know, sometimes you just don't feel good out there. And and I think with Everly, he didn't look like he really craved the puck like he had at other points in his career. He was asked, "How do you get your confidence back?" Well, I think just scoring. Um... Like I said, the chances were there. I watched a lot of video this year, and, and they were there. Um, you just got to finish and put the puck in the net. I think the league's become much tighter as far as defensive play, and, and I think my defensive play has gotten better. But um, obviously, you still want to be a guy that's going to be able to produce, and, and, uh, and I, I still think I, uh, I'm available to do that. So the only thing I would say there, you know, he, he, he was asked, how do you get your confidence back? And I'll preface this by saying players aren't necessarily fully candid with the media. So, I mean, who knows what actually is going on in his head. But Jordan was asked, how do you get your confidence back? And he said, by scoring. But, I, you know, I think that scoring is the end result of doing other things. And I hope what he's really thinking is, I have to commit to doing some other little things in, in order to score. Because I think doing the the things that he did against Anaheim won't lead to scoring. And Rob and I talked about that. And, and again, I'll ask you guys this. Did Jordan Everly have a dangerous scoring opportunity in seven games against Anaheim? So I don't think it's a simple, well, if I score, I'll get confident. I, I think it's he has to commit to doing other things to create scoring opportunities. And then he'll realize that those work. I, I mean... As much as confidence is a factor, there are 
physical things you have to do and commit to to create those scoring opportunities. And then once you make those habits, then you have those to rely on and then you can be a more confident player. I mean, it's like saying, well, how are you going to how are you going to learn how to golf? Well, I'm going to feel confident that I can hit the ball well. Well, no. If you want to learn how to golf, you have to learn how to stand, how to grip the club, how how to swing properly and how to consistently repeat those things. And then once you have those tools, you'll be able to hit the ball better. So I don't think foreverly scoring will lead to more confidence. I I think that making sure he's committed to having the necessary tools in his toolbox that lead to scoring chances, I think that'll help his confidence, personally. Everly was asked point blank, do you think he'll be bad next season? Or do you think he'll be back next season? My, my, my apologies. Do you think he'll be back next season? I, I can't answer that question. I mean, those are, it's not in my hands to, to, to where it goes. So um, ultimately, obviously, this team has took a huge uh, jump this year and, and uh and huge leap in the way that we perform, and, and I love being a part of it. And it's uh, you watch the city and how it uh, how it went during the playoff run, and you heard about it all the whole time I was here, and finally got a taste of it. I loved it. So uh, obviously, want to be back and be a part of that. It's a special group right now, and I think you know this uh, this loss in the playoffs is only going to build and build us into the future. All right. So there you go. That's going to be a huge story going into the offseason. One texture says, Reed, it looked like Everly was shooting to hit the net rather than finish the shot and bulge the twine. Confidence is low. I think that's a very fair observation. 648 Inside Sports on Chet. Quick timeout. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. I just want to uh, address something that we kind of got into a little bit uh, last night. And there, there's been, you know, th- this was talked about more with Oilers fans this year because the Oilers were the, in the playoffs, but it often does come up in pretty much every playoff. And that's the officiating standard tends to change in the playoffs. There's more allowed, especially with kind of stick work and cross-checking and interference and, and stuff behind the play. And, you know, Drew Remenda and I were talking about it yesterday that, you know, football and basketball especially kind of change their rules to favor offensive players. That's how they continually evolve. Hockey has tried to do that at times, but never really sticks. And I know hockey is a game kind of predicated on battles and people love the physicality and all that kind of stuff, but you don't don't like seeing the stars get beat up. I, I, I will say this. Would it be so hard for the NHL to simply say, if you do something to a guy behind the play when the puck's not around him, you're going to get a penalty? Because I know one thing that irritated a lot of people when they watched the highlights, and it, you know, it happened to McDavid, but I'm not going to sit here and say Oilers players don't do it to other teams and that it doesn't happen in other series. It happens all around the league. And it happens more in the playoffs. Could the league and, and the league put in a second referee to detect more fouls and stuff away from the puck and behind the play? So if Connor McDavid and Ryan Kessler are in a puck battle, you know it's fine. Maybe they're shoving each other. Maybe there's a bit of cross checking. Maybe a bit of slashing. But I guess in the playoffs, since the puck is there, they're going to let guys get away with a little more. If the puck is then shot up the boards or exits the zone, 
And Ryan Kessler gives a cross check to McDavid's lower back, even if it's not hard. Should that not be called 100% of the time? I mean, should the NHL not put in a standard where it says, guys, battle for the puck. You know, maybe you're going to give a little stick or whatever when the puck is there. But why is it tolerated that once the puck battle is over, that a guy can still do something to another player? And, and is that not why we have a second referee? So he can detect more of that stuff. I, I mean, if I were going to change, I don't want to see physicality go out of the game. I don't want to see it where star players just get a free path to the net all the time. I mean, I don't, I don't think games have to be 9-7 to be entertaining. Though sometimes you'd like to see more scoring chances. But once guys are no longer engaged for the puck, why is it okay to slash a guy on the back of the knee, even if it's not hard? I mean, at that point, it should be put your stick away and get back in the play or get back to your position. So that, if I were going to change one thing about the league or if you wanted to you know, debate how should the rules be called, just start calling all that crap. Puck's gone. You can't give a guy a cross check. You can't give him a, a little slash on the wrist just to let you know you're there or just to let him know he's in for a long night. No, that's, that should be a penalty. And I think if they just started calling all of that stuff when the puck's not around, I think that stuff could be eliminated. A lot of physicality and, and maybe stick work and bumping and little cross checks when the puck is there, that's going to be hard to limit because you know there's always going to be a feverish battle for the puck. Once it's done, once the puck is 100 feet away, why should player A be allowed to give a little stick to player B? I think that stuff could realistically be enforced and could be changed. Blue Jays up 4-0 on the Mariners' bottom of the sixth. We have play-by-play of Ducks and Predators coming up. Thanks to everybody who called and texted tonight. You can get more on the Oilers' end-of-season comments on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. We expect Peter Shirelli to talk on Monday. Dave Campbell is the producer of the show. Our studio producer this evening is Kellen Kennedy. I'm Louise Wilkins' son, Reed. Happy Mother's Day. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.